Good morning, good morning. If we haven't met, my name is James. Nice to meet you. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at the Chapel Sydney. If you're joining us online, thank you for inviting us into your home as we worship. Well, about 12, 15 years ago, uh, we were at this amazing church camp. Uh, there was probably about 40, 50 people there, uh, and God was just moving. He was doing amazing things in our hearts, right? He was just healing deep wounds. And everyone was like, I love God. I'm going to worship God 24-7. I'm never going to leave Him. But I'll never forget what the speaker said at that camp. He said this, in 10 years, half of you guys won't be at church. Half of you guys will walk away from the faith. And he wasn't saying this to discourage us, right? Please hear me on this. But he was saying this to warn us against falling away, straying from the path. And you know what? Out of the 40, 50 people, more than half of them aren't at church anymore. They've drifted away. And when you see their lives, it wasn't some massive thing that happened for them to to fall away, but it was this gradual, subtle shift. Just like how the speaker is warning us about drifting away, today what we're going to see is we're going to see the author of Hebrews warn us about paying attention to the gospel. Okay? And so today, I wonder how many of us are drifting Is your life anchored to Jesus? Because if you call yourself a Christian, if you've been with us for weeks, months, years, and your life hasn't changed, there's been no maturity, then you may be drifting. If you find yourself compromising on sins, right? Sins that you were once absolutely against. Or if you find yourself constantly skipping your time with God, praying, reading the word, you may be drifting. If you find yourself choosing to skip life route because you don't feel like going or because you don't get anything out of it, then you may be drifting. I want you to ask yourself honestly, are you drifting? To the ministry leader, are you drifting? To the life group member, are you drifting? To the Christian, are you drifting? And please hear me on this. I'm not saying that we need to do more work, right, to earn our salvation. I'm not saying that we need to do more to be right with God. We don't earn our salvation. But I'm asking, are you drifting from Jesus? And so today I'm praying that God would stir an urgency in our hearts to swim against the tide and anchor our hearts to Jesus. Uh, Let's read our passage today, Hebrews 2, 1 to 4. It says this, Therefore, we must pay closer, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. Amen. 
Well, in part one of this series, we saw the author of Hebrews, right? We saw him set up this amazing description of the supremacy of Christ. We saw him describe Jesus as though it was like holding up a great jewel to the light, right? And we saw these seven different facets. Does anyone remember them? No? Okay. (laughs) One person. We saw Jesus, the inheritor, the creator, the sustainer, the radiator, the representer, the purifier, and the ruler, right? And we didn't get to touch on this, but a big chunk of chapter one is actually the author showing us that Jesus is better than the angels. And all this leads us to the first of five warnings in the book of Hebrews. And the warning is this, pay attention to the person and work of Jesus. Pay attention to the work and person of Jesus. Why? Because if we're not paying attention, we're going to drift. And before we know it, Sundays will just be another day in the week. Life groups, just another thing that we just need to tick off. Church, just another thing. And so today I want to show you in chapter two, three reasons to pay attention to the message of the gospel. Number one, we will drift. Number two, we are accountable. And number three, the message of salvation is clear. Number one, the reason we need to pay attention to the message of the gospel is because we all have a tendency to drift. Verse one, therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. If you've ever been swimming in the ocean or in the sea, if you've ever been out on a boat, you will have experienced the power of a current or a rip. If you haven't asked Dennis, he's got an amazing story about that. Because, you know, you actually don't need to do anything to be in a completely different part of the ocean. You just need to float there. You just need to turn your motor off, pull up your anchor, and without you having done anything, you drift in the current. This is the same for the Christian life. Drifting happens very easily. And this is why the author is saying, pay close attention. We all have things in our lives that draw us away from Jesus. And sadly, right, if we're left to our own, the tendency is for us to just automatically drift away from God. And the frightening thing about currents and rips are, is that you don't know you're out in the middle of the ocean until you're actually there. That's why drifting is so dangerous, because it happens unintentionally. For the Hebrew people, they started to drift. And so if you look at chapter 1 from verses 5 to 14, you're going to see this big chunk of Scripture. You're going to see this big chunk of Scripture about Jesus being better than the angels. And it's not random that it's there. But it's there because the Jewish people were following, chasing other things. They were tempted to compromise by saying Jesus was an angel, right, and not God. Because if they did that, it would mean that they would escape persecution. But they were also impressed by other things other than Jesus. Sounds a lot like us these days. But the thing that they were impressed with was not money, not jobs, not relationships, not the news, not politics, but it was angels. The Jewish people began to honor and lift up angels so that they took the place of Jesus. 
You know, when we think about angels, we, we probably think of a, a little baby with, with some wings and a little baby bow and arrow and, or a little creature that comes to help people every now and then. You know, but in the Bible, angels are actually very impressive, right? They are God's attendants and special servants. Every time an angel appears in the Bible, the first thing out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Why? Because fear is the proper response to seeing them. In most cases, right, um, angels are invisible. They're invisible. As we see in Numbers 22:31, when God opened Balaam's eyes to see the angel blocking his way, or when God opened Elisha's servant's eyes to see that he was actually protected and surrounded by an army of angels. But when angels are visible, the Bible tells us that they have human-like appearances. They're often mistaken for men. Genesis 18:2, Mark 16:5. Sometimes they have shined with glorious lights. Matthew 28, 3, Luke 2, 9. You can all check these out later. Other times they have appeared as amazing winged creatures. Like think of seraphim, the cherubim, and Genesis. Exodus 25, 20, Isaiah 6, 2. You know, but the word angel, it just means messenger. They are God's messengers. messengers. Hebrews 1, 14, it says this. Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? If you've ever wondered what the job description of an angel is, that's it right there. Hebrews 1.14. They are ministering spirits sent out by God to serve those who will inherit salvation. Angels are awesome beings and they exercise amazing power. And it's so easy to go out of here today and worship these amazing beings, right? these amazing creatures. But their significance, it dwindles in the presence of Christ. Compared to Jesus, they are nothing. And so the author, he throws these truth bombs out in, in Hebrews 1. And he says this, as Pastor Garrett Kell puts it, he says this, Jesus is seated as the king. Angels are his servants. Jesus is the Lord over the church. Angels minister on behalf of the church. Jesus is worthy of worship. Angels give him worship. Jesus is the author of salvation. Angels are assistants to help us reach salvation. Jesus is the sovereign son. Angels are ministering messengers. Jesus is greater than the angels. This is what the author is saying. He's saying this. It doesn't matter what that distraction is, whether it's angels or money or your family, your children, jobs, because once you see Jesus in his glory, everything else will pale in comparison. Jesus is superior to all things, including angels. And this is why he gives us the warning. The Hebrew Christians were beginning to neglect the anchor, Jesus. They were beginning to quietly drift away. And you know, we're not all that different from these Hebrew brothers and sisters. We all have parts of us that tend to be drawn away from Jesus. We all have things that draw us away from God. For you, what is that thing? Maybe it's an unrepentant sin. Maybe it's 
Maybe that it's uh, you're holding on to bitterness from a past relationship. Maybe it's unforgiveness towards a family member. These things can draw us away from God, eventually leading us to neglect our anchor. You know, think about this. How many of us have known people who were once a professing Christian, but have now left the faith? I remember people who were so vocal about following Christ, whatever the cost. But today, you know, they haven't disowned Jesus, but they have drifted from their earlier faith. There are people here who who you call yourself a Christian, but your anchor in Christ is neglected and you're drifting. You think you're in Sydney Harbour, but you've neglected your anchor for so long that you've drifted to another continent. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, he illustrates this. He illustrates the subtlety of drifting. And it's a book about one demon talking to another, giving advice on how to pull away Christians from God. One demon is giving advice. And he says this, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Think about that. The scary thing about drifting, right, is that it's subtle and it often goes undetected. It's a gradual move away from Jesus. This is what one pastor says. You do not have to do anything other than what is natural to go to hell. You do not have to do anything other than what is natural to go to hell. Why? Because the world is a river flowing to destruction. And so the author is saying, listen to Jesus. By faith, look upstream. By faith, lock arms with each other. And by faith, go against the tide. Don't just drift. The second reason we, we need to pay attention to the message of the gospel is because God holds us accountable for our response to the gospel. Verse 2, For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. What's the author trying to say here? He's saying this, every transgression, every disobedience under the old covenant, under the old covenant, right, the Old Testament, it received a just retribution, punishment, compensation. Think about this in the Old Testament. When God's people, uh, the Israelites, when they disobeyed God and the message of salvation, uh, when they rejected Him again and again and again, when they refused to receive His grace, God held them accountable. And you can check out these passages later, but, but look at Exodus 32, 35, Leviticus 10, 1, 3, Numbers 11, uh, 33, Joshua 7, 1 to 26. All these passages show us God's people disobeying Him and God responding to that. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. I didn't sign up to this. 
I didn't sign up to worship me a God who punishes people if they do wrong. I don't believe in a God who can send people to hell because God is love, right? Well, yes, God is love. The Bible tells us that God is love, but out of His love flows holiness and justice. These are attributes that flow out of the character and quality of God. Holiness just meaning set apart. God is set apart from sin, from evil. And justice meaning to make right. God is a just God who makes things right. It is in His nature to establish justice. And because God is a holy and just God, when we go against God in disobedience and sin like the people in the Old Testament, something needs to die to atone for the sin, to pay for the sin. This is why God required animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. He provided a temporary covering of sin. So when we sin, we're committing treason, we're committing injustice to God. Because our disobedience and our sin, it says that we know more than God. And sin is serious because it demands the death penalty. This is why God doesn't take sin lightly. This is why you shouldn't take sin lightly. And this is why God responds the way He does in the Old Testament to sin. God doesn't just brush over sin. When we see the word disobedience, right, in this context, in terms of the message of salvation, It's speaking about a conscious rejection of God's will, right? Or an unwillingness to listen to God's voice. I wonder how many of us are in that place right now. I wonder how many of us are unwilling to listen to God. Or how many of us are consciously rejecting God again and again. Listen to what the author says in verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. Okay, now you need to hear me on this. What the author is trying to do is reason with us from a lesser to the greater. Okay? Think about this. Think about this. If something is true in the light or lesser, right? lesser thing, then it, mean, it means it has to be true in the heavier or greater thing, right? Everyone following? Yeah? Does it make sense? The point is this. Someone's still thinking about it? Yeah? Does it make sense? So think about this. This is going to make more sense. The message spoken through the angels was reliable. This was the lesser, right? This was the lesser. The message was so reliable that it brought about severe punishment if you disobeyed in the Old Testament. But how much more severe the punishment will be if we disobey the message spoken by Jesus? How much more severe the punishment will be if we disobey the message spoken by Jesus himself? That's the greater The angels declared the message in the Old Testament by revealing God in types and shadows, right? But in the New Testament, the message of salvation came through Jesus in whom God's glory was fully displayed. 
There won't be another way out if we ignore the message of Jesus. We will be held accountable. And so we must not ignore the message of salvation. The word ignore here just means to neglect through apathy or to not care enough about something. I wonder if you've read this version of uh, verse 3. It says, How shall we escape if we are seized to so great a salvation? That was a joke, by the way, guys. There is actually no version of the Bible like that. Thank you, Mel. Um, you know, we are the Seeves generation. Seeves meaning can't be bothered, right? Can't be bothered. And it makes me so angry when I hear that <laughs> because what you're actually saying is this. You're actually saying, I don't care about anyone else but my own feelings, right? My own dreams, my own desires. Me, 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 me. Reading the word, seeps. Praying to God, seeps. Going to life group, seeps. When it comes to the message of salvation, if we are seeps towards the good news so that we neglect it, we will be held accountable. Right? So we must pay close attention to the message of Jesus. Because it provides the way out from God's judgment. We escape the punishment, the justice of God by embracing Jesus. And so, the third reason we need to pay attention to the, to the gospel is because the message of salvation is clear. It is super clear. A couple of months ago,、uh, I started dabbling in the world of film photography. Uh, and the beautiful thing about film photography is that it forces you to be in the moment. It forces you to slow down、uh, and just be there, be present. Because you're not caught up in all these digital settings of a DSLR or a mirrorless camera, but it forces you to be present and trust the process. Because there's this warmth that, that digital cameras can't replicate, but it's expensive. It's expensive to buy film, to get it developed, to get it processed, to get it scanned, to get it sent back. But it's also like you're living on the edge. <laughs> Because when you, take, when you press that shutter button,、like、you just don't know if it's a dud or if it's going to be one of the best photos in your life. And you don't know that until you get the photos back.、Right? And the difference between an, an out of focus photo and an in focus photo is massive. Just like a photo where everything is clear and sharp and in focus, right? This is what the author is telling us to do to pay attention because the message of salvation is clear. I've got some examples of an out of focus photo. That's an out of focus photo, right? Okay, now let's go to the in focus photo. Way better, right? Oh no, you can't really tell on that. <laughs> okay, let's, let's move on. But, but for those watching online, you can definitely tell. <laughs> But the author is telling us, right, to pay attention because the message of salvation is clear. Verse three, it was declared at first by the Lord, right? The author is saying that the message of salvation didn't come through a middle person, it, it, but it, it came from Jesus himself, God enfleshed in Jesus. 
Verse 3 goes on to say, and it was attested to us by those who heard. He's saying this is not something that he made up, but that he received the message from eyewitnesses who directly heard from Jesus. And so what is the message of salvation? What is this message that that the author is trying to tell us to pay attention to? It's the gospel. The good news of Jesus is absolutely clear. I mentioned earlier that when we go against God in disobedience, we sin against God, right? We're committing treason and injustice to God. And what does that disobedience look like? It looks like lust, envy, gluttony, pride, unbelief. You know, but if we're all really honest with ourselves, we all struggle with these. We all have disobeyed God in some area of our lives. And if you're here and you're saying, oh, I don't know if that's me, let me, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Have you ever had a desire for something that belongs to another person? Have you ever lied? If you said yes to any of these any of these things, which we all have, then you've disobeyed God. You are a sinner. And you deserve the, the penalty of sin, which is death. The, whole, the Bible says that we've all gone astray. Romans 3.10, no one is righteous, not even one. And because God is a just God, sin needs to be dealt with and punished. So what do we need? We need a Savior who can defeat sin. Jesus is that Savior. Jesus came into the world to undo what Adam and Eve did, right? Adam and Eve sinned and brought the certainty of death, but Jesus came to save us from that. Jesus took on the full wrath of God. He took on the full punishment of God by stepping into our place because it was us who deserved that punishment. It was us who deserved to be on that cross, but Jesus took our place knowing that the penalty of sin is death. Jesus was crucified and died as our substitute. And by doing that, he paid for sins for once and for all. But not only that, he rose. On the third day, he defeated the grave. He defeated death. He made a way for us to be right with God. This is the gospel. This is the message of salvation. We who were once enemies of God have now been reconciled by the blood of Jesus. We have been adopted into the family of God. And please hear me on this. There's nothing that we can do to earn our way into heaven. Being a good person doesn't get you into heaven. You say you're a good person. You've done good things. I, I believe you. I completely believe you. But the Bible says that the standard to get into heaven is not being a good person. It's being a perfect person. I know what you're thinking, but James, that means no one can get into heaven. That's right. No one can get into heaven on their own accord. Because heaven requires perfection. But this is the amazing grace of our God. Jesus, the Son of God, He lived a perfect, sinless life. He is that perfect person. And now because of what he's done, he steps into our place as our substitute, as the perfect person. 
And he makes it possible for us to be saved and to enter into heaven. How amazing is that? Listen to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is purely a gift from God. And because it is a gift, we can respond in two ways. We can either reject this message of salvation, which means we will face the full wrath of God, or we can humble ourselves, turn to God, repent, and be forgiven of all our sins. The message of the gospel demands a response. There is no fence to sit on in this. You either believe him or you don't. Because Jesus is telling the absolute truth and he's saying that and he's all that he says he is or he's a liar. He's a complete psycho, lunatic. And for some of us in this place, God is drawing us to him right now. God is softening your heart. He's opening your ears. My plea to you is let's pay attention to this message. Let's pay attention to the message of salvation because it is clear Jesus is the author, the founder, the hero, the champion, the pioneer of salvation. And so today, we've seen why we need to pay attention to the message of the gospel. Because number one, if we don't, we will drift. Number two, we will be held accountable. Number three, because the message is absolutely clear. So, so what does this mean for us? How are we meant to live this out? What are we meant to do as we go out into the week? This is what we're meant to do. We're meant to align our entire life to Jesus. We're meant to align our entire life to Jesus. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm a BTS fan. <laughs> oh, it feels good to get off my chest. <laughs> I'm a BTS fan, okay? No shame. Now, do I know, yeah, woo. Now, do I know all their songs? No. Yes. Do I, do I know all their birthdays? No. Do I care what, about what they ate for breakfast? Not really. But there are fans out there who know everything about BTS from what their favorite color is to what they're allergic to. You know, these super fans have aligned their entire lives to BTS. Please hear me in this. I am a BTS fan. <laughs> Please don't email me later. You know, but I'm not going to align my entire life to, to these seven young Korean guys, you know. But what we're meant to do is we're meant to actually align our entire lives to someone better something better, and that person is Jesus. Hebrews 2.1, the NIV says it like this, we must pay the most careful attention. Pay attention just means to be alert, to listen, to keep on looking, to make every effort to give your mind, your heart, your ear to the words of Jesus. The author is saying, orientate your entire life to the message of Jesus. He says, do whatever you need to do to tune your ear and your heart to the message of salvation. This is, this is the very first command in the book of Hebrews. Right? And it's a command, right? It's not 
work for Jesus. It's not labor for Jesus, but it's watching, listen to him, hear him, pay attention to his message. Are you listening to Jesus? Are you aligning your entire life to Jesus? Because there's a lot of voices out there today. There's a lot of distractions. And a lot of things take our attention and our focus away from Jesus. For you, what is that distraction? Is it busyness with family, the job, your studies? Is it an unrepentant sin in your life? Are you getting distracted by social media, Instagram, YouTube, Netflix? You know, we really need to sit and think about this. We really need to think about whether you're anchored to Jesus. Because when you examine your life and you see the secret sins in your life that you think no one knows about, your distractions, your lack of prayer, lack of reading the Word, your lack of love for God, if we see that, then I, I would question whether your anchor is still attached. Maybe you, you've slowly and quietly started drifting away. And so we need to continually check our hearts, align our lives to Jesus. But how do we do that? Through prayer, through reading the word, through fasting. There is no other way there is no other way we can grow deep roots in our relationship with God if we don't do those things, if we don't engage in those things. Let me challenge you this week. If you feel like you're drifting away from God, then something needs to change, right? Fast this week. Fast social media. Fast food. Fast whatever you need to do in order to align your life to Jesus. And as you fast, prioritize your time with God, your prayer life. I promise you as you, do the, as you do these things, right, your anchor will be strengthened in Jesus. And so today, my prayer for every single one of us is whether this is your first time or whether you're new or you've been a Christian all your life, my prayer is that you would pay attention to Jesus. I'm praying that God would open your eyes to see whether you've drifted to the next beach or whether you've drifted to another continent. Let us be people who reinforce our anchor in Christ by drowning out all the distractions of this world and tuning our ears and our hearts to the maker of the universe, the one who is superior than angels, to the one who took our sins to free us from the bondage of sin and guilt and shame. Let us turn our ears and our hearts to Jesus because, friends, Nothing is better than Jesus. You can have the most money, the fastest car, the biggest house, the perfect family. But it will never come close to the beauty, the majesty, the wonder of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. Let's close our eyes in prayer.